Thank you for listening to Desert Spring United Methodist Sunday Sermon. We're glad you found us and that you chose to be part of our church. Online listeners, you are a significant part of our church community, and we're grateful you're with us. We hope you enjoy the sermon you're about to hear. If you would like to engage with our staff, we can be found on Facebook, Vimeo, and Instagram. Or call us at 702-256-5933. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Today I'm continuing this series of sermons, Making Sense of the Bible. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been doing kind of the foundational work of understanding this book, uh, our Bible, and where it came from. Remember, there's 39 books in the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, 66 books, a collection uh, that is in this one book, the Bible. It was written over a long, long period of time by a whole lot of different authors um, and uh, there were editors who helped to bring it together, and the canon, the Bible, the canon, as it was kind of formed together, it was a pretty lengthy process of deciding what would be in the Bible and, and uh, what would be our sacred text. We've, we've kind of done that foundational work to understand the Bible. So today I'm going to be turning the page on this series of sermons as we start to wrestle with how do we make sense of the Bible especially in those times where it says things that leave us scratching our head, are wondering, did God really say that? Or how could that be true? And we don't have to read very far into the Bible to find ourselves beginning to scratch our head. I mean, just the first two chapters in the opening book of the Bible in Genesis, the first page of the Bible, and we can find ourselves scratching our head. Genesis chapter 1 is an account of creation. In that account, we hear that God created. God spoke creation into being. And that God created everything that exists out of nothing. We hear that God created the light, that God created the earth and the sea and the land, the God created plants, the God created the, the sun and the moon and the stars, the God created animals. And on the sixth day, the final day of creation, God's crowning act was to create human beings. In God's own image, God created us. Male and female, God created us and gave us responsibility to help care for creation. Genesis chapter 1, we hear an account of God creating everything that exists in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. And then we read Genesis chapter 2. And Genesis chapter 2 is the second account of creation. But the second account of creation sounds very different from the first. In Genesis chapter 2, we see God walking on the face of the earth. And God gets down and plays in the mud forms the first human being, Adam, out of the mud, then breathes life into Adam, first human being. And then God says to Adam, it's not right that you should have to live alone. So then God created animals and marched the animals by Adam one at a time as Adam gave them names, but no animal was found to be a suitable companion for Adam. So then God had Adam go into a deep sleep and did a surgical procedure of some kind, took a rib from him, 
And then God created humankind 2.0, the new and improved version, <laughs> as God created Eve, woman. And Adam looks upon Eve and says, at last, here is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. A second account of creation. But we read those two and it can leave a scratch in our head. Which one is it? I mean, in Genesis chapter 1, God creates animals first and then people. In Genesis chapter 2, God creates Adam first, then animals, and then Eve. In Genesis chapter 1, God simply speaks and something happens. But in Genesis chapter 2, God plays in the mud and breathes. And God does some surgical procedure. And if that's not complicated enough, in Genesis chapter 1, we hear that God created plants on the earth before God created the sun and the moon and the stars. How could that be? Leaves us scratching our head, wondering. Especially given, you know, what we know from science today. I mean, the science of creation sounds very different from Genesis chapters 1 and 2. The science of creation tells us that, well, that this universe was created like 14 and a half billion years ago. That the earth is 4.5 billion years old came into existence right after our sun, out of the, the dust that came from that explosion, and, and that our planet in its first billion years was too hot to sustain any kind of life. But then around three and a half billion years ago, the very first life forms started showing up on Earth, single-cell life forms, very simple. And those life forms continued for the next three billion years. And then about a half a billion years ago, 500 million years ago, something happened and there was this explosion of, of life where these single-celled organisms began to, to develop and pretty soon there was a, a, a big difference in, in life on this planet. 250 million years ago, dinosaurs roamed the planet. They roamed the planet for almost 200 million years until 65 million years ago when something happened and the dinosaurs became extinct. Scientists suggest maybe the planet was hit by some kind of an asteroid which changed the climate, making the Earth uninhabitable for, un un unable to sustain the dinosaurs. But life continued, life continued. Scientists tell us three million years ago, there, were, there are fossils of beings that were kind of the ancestors of modern-day apes and human beings. And that a little over a million years ago, we see records of the first Homo sapiens. And scientists are looking at the fossils and gathering these facts and creating theories to try to explain them. And, and, the, and as science explains creation, it sounds very different from Genesis chapters 1 and 2. In Genesis chapter 1, we hear creation just took six days. Six days. And that human beings were created on that sixth day. Created as we are. And in Genesis chapter 2, we can start counting the generations through the Bible. 
And if we count the generations, we can learn the day of creation. And if we take this literal accounting of Scripture, creation is just a little over 6,000 years old. 6,000 years old. And if we take this literal interpretation of Scripture, then dinosaurs roamed the earth with human beings. But they didn't get on the ark during the flood, which explains why they became extinct. But the, the accounts of creation in Genesis 1 and 2 and the account that we hear of creation from science are so different that their differences are irreconcilable. At least so it would seem. I've had this happen many times, but not too long ago, I had a woman come to me to talk with me. And right up front, she wanted to share with me that she was not a Christian because she believed in science. I've had many young people come to me to tell me that they've become very, very fascinated and excited about science, but then wondered if they could continue to be a Christian because of their passion for science. The seemingly irreconcilable difference gets played out in the news in front of us as we have Christians who battle to have creationism taught in science classes in schools. We've even seen it played out in the backs of cars. You know, at first you see the emblem of the fish, which signifies the person in the car is a Christian. And then that symbol evolved a little bit, grew some legs. Inside of it, it said Darwin. And then the new symbol emerged. It was a bigger fish with its mouth open, ready to swallow the Darwin fish. And it said in it, truth, as if, as if science and Christianity are at odds with one another, battling one another, as if there is some irreconcilable difference between them. But is there? But is there really? Could it be that this dichotomy is really a false dichotomy? And it's not real? Could it be that Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, you know, the beginning of the Bible, that Genesis is not so interested in giving us the science of creation, but rather giving us a class on basic theology upon which the rest of the Bible would stand? I don't know if you heard it in today's scripture. In today's scripture from Genesis chapter 1, the second day of creation. I don't know if you heard how creation was described there in that passage, but it was described in language that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us today. Because we hear about separating waters from waters, and we hear about a dome over the earth. And what's being described in Genesis, the second day of creation, is the pre-scientific understanding of the universe. And in that understanding, the earth was flat. And there were mountains on the ends of the earth that would hold up this dome. And this dome was important because above the dome was water. You had to keep the water out. Beneath the flat earth was also water. I mean, there had to be water up there. Why else would it rain? There had to be water down there. Why else, when you drilled, could you find some? 
right? So we're surrounded by all this water, and this dome is above us. And then above the dome, there were storehouses for, water, for rain and for wind and for snow. Above the storehouses was heaven, and God would then direct when to release the storehouses of wind, rain, and snow. This was the pre-scientific understanding of creation. The sun, the moon, and the stars rotated around the earth, the earth being the center of it all. But we know that that isn't an accurate description of creation, right? I mean, we know that. We know that the earth isn't flat, that it's round, that there isn't some dome that's holding back the waters. There aren't those storehouses up in heaven. We know that. So why would God inspire the writer to, to describe the creation with a flat earth and a dome above it? Why would God inspire the writer to describe creation in that way? And the answer to that is simple. God did not inspire the writer to write to God did not inspire the writer to describe creation in that way. God inspired the writer to say that everything that exists was created by God. That's what God was inspiring the writer to write, that everything that exists was created by God, but the only language that the writer had to write that was their pre-scientific understanding of creation. And so they used those words because it's the only words they had to express what God was laying upon their heart, that everything that we see was created by Almighty God. Genesis chapter 2. We hear a story of, of God who draws near to us and gets involved in our lives in very real ways. This is a story about faith, not about science. I think about science. I think of science as a window through which we look. And if we're looking through the window of science at our universe, we see our galaxy with its trillions of stars, our solar system floating through space further and further from the center. Beyond our galaxy, countless galaxies. If we think of Christianity as a window through which we look, when we look through the window of Christianity at our universe, what we see is a God who created it all, who said, let it be. And it was and it is. And who said, it's good. It is good. When we look through the window of science at humankind, we see genes and chromosomes and cells, and we see human behavior and explanations as to why people act the way they act as we look through this window. As we look through the window of Christianity at human beings, we see people created in the very image of Almighty God. 
to whom God said, you are good. And we see people who were created for a reason, for a purpose by God. When we look through this window of science, we see facts. We see scientists gathering information, creating theories to make sense to explain the facts. When we look through the science, when we look through the window of Christianity, we see meaning. We see purpose to life. We see that it didn't just happen by accident, but there's a reason for it, a purpose to it. We see something of the very nature of God who is good, and we see what our lives can become. When we look through this window, the window of science, we can see this long, long history of fossils that leads to the development of humankind as we now know it today. When we look through this window, the window of Christianity, we see that our lives are not defined by the past. Our lives are defined by Almighty God who created us as God's own and who gave us reason for being alive. Our lives are not defined by science. Our lives are defined by God who made us. I love science. I wish I'd have paid more attention to it when I was in school because I've really grown to love science. There's nothing that's scary about science for me. I mean, do I think science is going to discover something that God doesn't already know? And as science is able to better describe, to better describe creation, I don't find that that takes away any of the, of the mystery of it all. Instead, it adds to the mystery of it all. Every time that science discovers something new, can describe something that we hadn't been able to describe before, I find language to give praise to Almighty God who created it all. I love science. I also love Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, we are hearing theology that lays the foundation for the rest of the Bible. We hear how it is that there's one and only one true God who is so powerful that God can simply speak creation into being, can create out of nothing, and how this God is good and created to be good, created us to be good, created in God's own image. In Genesis chapter 2, we hear about how this holy and all-powerful God who's able to create chooses to draw near to us to play in the mud, to be intimately involved in our lives, that this God cares about our lives, cares about our happiness, cares about how we live our lives. And in Genesis chapter 3, we hear how having been created in the image of God means we have freedom, freedom to stand, yet freedom also to fall, and the brokenness that can come about 
by misusing that freedom. Genesis 1, holy God, all powerful. Genesis 2 draws near to us in real and profound ways. Genesis 3, we can make a mess of things. This lays the foundation of our theology for the rest of the Bible. For the rest of the Bible. This idea that there is an irreconcilable difference between science and Christianity, I just don't see it. I mean, that makes near, no sense to me uh, at all. God created human beings in their curiosity, explore, and we learn, and we describe, and we give praise to Almighty God. Now, Christians need science. We need science. It keeps us from falling into superstition. It keeps us from thinking that we know more than we really know and hurting people because of it. Science needs Christianity. Because Christianity helps science to keep from falling into idolatry of thinking that the pursuit of knowledge at all costs is, a wor is worthy. And there's a whole lot of things that we learn we can do, but ought we do those things? We need one another. But then I suspect God knows that. Anyway, that's my thoughts. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Desert Spring United Methodist Church. New sermons are posted weekly. Follow us.